When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You don't know who the referee was for the 1878 FA Cup final. Well, I'm telling you now, it is. Mr. Bastard. Welcome to Pint of Football, the nation's drunkest podcast. And after a month of eating... We're back for 24 at last. This episode, we'll see us discuss the ref with a rude name. Yes, it's another Wardy story. A new year, but for us, more of the same. I am Daz, your host for this one. Joining me is Bax, a true podcasting Don. I like that. I like, it could definitely catch on, sort of um, the sort of sing-songy intro style. I like it. Do you know what we should have done? We should have talked about resolutions for the new year. Maybe one of our resolutions can be to be more organised with recording this because it's currently way past new year <laughs> and this is our first one. Yeah, we also didn't really do any in December, did we? Not really. Well, maybe we'll say that we're like certain European football leagues where they have a winter break. Yeah, because like Harry Kane was saying, he's going to send pictures to all his old teammates, <laughs> any of him on the beach. So maybe like oh, that. Yeah, I, I absolutely love the amount of people who are still, because they don't keep up with the news, a lot of people are still like, oh, I can't believe he's gone. He's Hasn't he like banged like 30 odd goals already? Yeah, he's, been he's, he's, had, he's had a month off to go on holiday. You know. He, yeah. All the all the rest of like the Premier League players going, oh, I'm off to London for the German market. He's like, I'm li- I'm literally living in Germany. I can I can go and have this sausage and two pint beer any day. <laughs> we just call them markets over here. Yeah, it's what he does every Sunday before the game. It is funny that though how well he's doing over there and Bayern aren't even top, which is funny. Yeah, well, yeah, isn't it someone like? 
Random is top. It's Bayer Leverkusen, who are not exactly random, but they've not had the mm. best. They've not been like challenging for the title for a good few years. They used to be back in the day, but they're yeah. uh, they're managed managed by Zabi Alonso. He used to play for Liverpool and Real Madrid. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd seen that, and they they were doing really well. Also, as well, I noticed because I don't often look at European tables, but I happened to look the other day. Uh, must have been bored. Um, I'm sure in Spain, there's like a two-horse race with Real Madrid and some like village team. Well, the best part about that is it's Girona who are the next town over from Barcelona. When, uh, you, when, you, when you when you fly there, you can either fly to Girona or to Barcelona. And we went. I yeah. did, I did it one year. Went to to Girona and, and flew there and had like a day in their little town and then got the train down to to Barcelona. It was lovely, nice little place. But I think this weekend just gone, or maybe the week before. Um, they lost unexpectedly or certainly dropped points and people are talking about them getting them, um, you know, this being the beginning of the wheels coming off now, unfortunately. But by the time you hear this, they might be back on top again, so who knows? Wheels coming off, Christ. I don't think anyone expects them to be second. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, true. if anything, they've they've added an extra 10 wheels and they're, they're probably heading back towards having the normal four wheels that you'd expect of a team of that size. Yeah, that's it. It's all about wheels. Yeah. Anyway, changing the subject slightly before we get on to, to Wardy. Do you want to go to the Asian Cup? Yeah. So as we're recording now, it is the week that the Asian Cup started. So by the time you guys hear that, the first couple of games will have no doubt been played. But as we are looking right now, I was looking at hotels and match tickets for oh, nice. the first few games. Um, we can get tickets for China against Tad. Tajikistan, Tajikistan. Yeah. Where, where, where is it? Oh, have a guess. Middle, you know, where's the Asian Asian Cup going to be? No, it's not in Saudi, is it? Or that's Qatar? Qatar, yeah. yeah. No, Qatar, gosh, yeah. So that's why I don't. No one wants to go because it's a horrible place and it's silly. We 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 were looking to book a holiday and we were like reading the top destinations and it was like, oh, you should go to Dubai. I was like, oh, fuck off. No interest no. in going there. It's full of posers and idiots and, you know, whatever. Um, we can go to China against Tajikistan for 20 US dollars, which is about 16 quid. Um, Uzbekistan against Syria, same money. These are the first couple of days, match four, match five. Japan versus Vietnam. Iran against Palestine. Oh, Christ. They um, <laughs> might, might have other things going on at the moment. Um, career against Bahrain, I don't fancy that. But anyway, the point is, there's loads of tickets available, and you can get um, hotels and stuff. It's just getting there, I suppose. And we haven't to fly to Qatar, which I don't fancy. Well, yeah, I didn't realise it's in Qatar. Had it been any other country, I, I'd, I'm going to go on record here. I think I'd probably have been more likely to go if it was in Iraq. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying something, isn't it? <laughs> I'd rather go to Iraq than Qatar. <laughs> Soz lads. <laughs> I always forget as well that Australia are in it. Mm, I go for Australia. I go for Australia. But they are in a group with Syria and some other teams. So that's their first game. Um, and tickets are still available. So I don't know if they're just playing them in, in stadiums that are too big. Well, it'll still be like, do you remember the World Cup where they were reporting like 93,000 fans at a game? And <laughs> Stadium holds 40,000 people. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. That, so. that was, and like the camera would go around and it'd be like <laughs> massive patches of empty seats, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was fun. I enjoyed that. 
Um, so that's that cup preview done. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Would you want my African Cup of Nations preview as well? Well, yeah, because... Right, first tell me where it is before you ask me if I want to go. Ivory Coast. Oh, yeah, I'd go there. Yeah, I'd go there as well. Um, and Ivory Coast are one of the favourites to win it. I mean, in my head, they've still got Drogba and, you know, all, <laughs> all that era of player. And... Didier Zakora. Yeah, all them. Solomon Kalou, was the Ivorian? Yaya Toure. Yeah, they're all still... Kolai Toure. All the boys. Yeah. They're still all turning out. But what's weird about it, even though, like, on paper, they've got sort of one of the strongest teams, for some reason in, in AFCON, the hosts don't usually win it. I think hmm. it's been it's eleven out of thirty three times that the host have won it, which feels low. Yeah, third. Um, Trying to think of the other tournaments. Well, it's it moves around too much in, in like the UEFA ones, doesn't it? And yeah, yeah, that's but, true. So it's hard to sort. Maybe maybe that isn't low. Maybe it's it's just hard to win a tournament. Well, if you think that Africa is a lot more open and there's not like a dominant force, but also I guess every so often it is going to get hosted at like a NAF country. Not NAF as in like geographically NAF or structurally mm. NAF or financially NAF, but just like they don't have a very good team, you know. Yeah. And, and even, like, well, saying that, even if it's got like crap stadiums or something, it's not going to affect it if the team is. You know, not up to it either. Yeah, is is this the one? Because there's two there's two versions of AFCON, like every other tournament. One which is like the proper one where everyone gets picked. Mm. But then they also do one where only players who play in that country can be picked. Yeah. It, or, like or it, play in Africa or something. It's almost like an invitational one, isn't it? Yeah, but no. This is this is this is everyone because loads of the Premier this League is... players have have gone over and and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, the proper one. Yeah, yeah, the, the the big one. It was meant to be in June last summer, apparently as well, but they got, it got put back. Well, I know they now. were looking. I think there's bizarre of pressure, particularly from like Premier League and European leagues, to um, not have the tournament like the Asian and the African tournaments in January because it's such a crucial time for. Like the European leagues, isn't it? And um, you know, there's, there's always two arguments to these things. One, like you don't want to encourage the uh, the uh, the British supremacists who are like, well, why why do you sign all these foreign players then? Um, but also, you kind of think, well, it's it's one of those things because Champions League. There's there's so many different things that happen in football now, isn't there? Like you see Man City and all that complaining. Cause they've got three games a week for four months of the year or whatever. It's like, well, stuff like this is going to happen, isn't it? It is, and there are two arguments to that. I see what you're saying. Um, but the, the the sort of one that is the most important to me is that like some of these countries are literally deserts, and it's going to be 40-odd degrees in the summer, and you just simply can't. Yeah. Not only the players, but the fans and the officials and everything else that goes along with it. You can't expect people to go and sit in the direct sun in the, you know, middle of the afternoon to watch games. Well, I suppose the probable sad solution will be that most AFCON and um, Asian Cup tournaments in the future will probably just end up being played somewhere like Qatar, where the, the, cl- the climate's a bit more accommodating. Qatar is literally like between the two continents as well. 
So um, hopefully FIFA aren't listening to this pod and inspired any more than they need to be by that idea. Before we move on from AFCON, do you want a quote from Jamel Balmadi, who is the Algerian manager? It's just his first line when he was asked about, um, you know, how the team were preparing and, you know, looking forward to the tournament. It just made me laugh the way way he says it. Apart from the Ivory Coast, Egypt, Morocco, Nigeria, Senegal and Tunisia and other strong contenders, as for Algeria, we are not among the favourites. So at least he's honest, but, you know, it kind of feels like, yeah, just we're going to get beat every game here, lads. <laughs> it's not. He's, he's eat, yeah, he's even put himself below the other strong candidates he can't think of. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to just list all the other countries. <laughs> the, the others. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know how many teams are in AFCON, but if there's 16, he's basically saying we're, we're about 15th. <laughs> Yes, that, that was his vibe. But so Algeria wants to keep an eye on because they've got some good players, surely. Yeah. Again, Al- I might, might be remembering it wrong. Algeria is definitely not a bad nation of football. And Morocco did well at the World Cup, didn't they? But then again, that was like conditions probably favoured the same. That the conditions are all going to be the same for everyone. I don't know. I'm rambling. Yeah. Do you, do you know who Ghana manager is? Ooh. It's a name that is familiar to UK football fans. It's not Michael Essien, is it? No, but that would make more sense. Um, Chris Hutton. What? <laughs> I know, news to me, but yeah. Loving it. That's that's a, I, I do love it when random British managers pop up at national jobs. I think, was it the other month we were on about Montserrat, one of the tiniest, probably the worst nation in football. They're managed by like Lee Bowyer. <laughs> It's a brilliant job, that, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely fabulous. The thing is, though, Lee Bowyer, when he got the advert, it's like, job, Caribbean, loving it. And then he's turned up and it's the one Caribbean island which was blown up by a volcano. <laughs> so he's, he's still got the worst, he's still got like the worst case scenario. I like to think his agents just rang him up and said, we've got this interview for this manager's job. And as you say, he's just seen like visions of white sand and sort of palm trees, isn't he? Yeah, and then he gets off the plane and he's like, Oh, is that the sand blend in my face? It smells a bit smells a bit like, like fire and burntness. Oh, and they're like, Oh yeah, no, that's that's the ashes, um, possibly of the island, possibly of the building, possibly, possibly of the, people. Possibly the previous manager, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> I don't know, I'd still I'd still be up for managing Montserrat, I think. I think you you'd put up with it. Fair play to them, you know, for for going and trying something, you know. He could easily just take Sky Sports money, I'm sure, and just, like, be the odd funder every now and then. Or, you know, I can't remember who it was. Was it Salisbury, maybe? Steve Claridge went and managed there. And it's like, yeah, why not? He just obviously wants to stay in the game. He's not getting a bigger job, so he just wants to get involved. And I think with Montserrat as well, I know it's a bit different now that they've got the um, Nations League, but back in the day, they were probably only playing, like, three, four games a year because in World Cup qualifiers, they start off with a two-legged qualifier, which they probably lose every time. And then that's the end of their World Cup. So, like, he probably, I mean, I don't know where Lee Boy lives and what he's up to in his spare time, but I don't suppose it's like being the England manager where you're at matches every week watching the team and all that. It's probably like, probably has a database of names and, 
maybe maybe there's a few that are English non-league. In fact, I know there are, but that's it's probably kind of like phoning round and saying, <laughs> we've got a game next month. Can you make yeah. it sort of yeah, thing? Exactly. Like, can, coming over. can you afford the like two grand flights from London to come to your grandfather's home, which is is just a big ball of ash? <laughs> they um they had four matches at the back end of twenty twenty three though, if you want to hear those mm. results. They played um, two in October and two in November. Yeah, I remember following they they did alright, I think. Yeah, they they got two wins. The Lebovia Revolution is underway. Baxter's Hard Bovril. The Bovril Slammer. All the joys of alcoholic gravy. What spirit do you suggest we mix with Bovril? I can't believe I'm saying this. (laughs) Quantra. I'm going to try this because I love Bovril. What do you do? Do you like, do you shoot the. The, the spirit and then snort, snort Bovril. <laughs> you got some rough Bovril and taste in your eyes. Like how foul of the Bovril slammer. Taste in your eyes, taste in your eyes, taste in your eyes, taste in your eyes, taste in your eyes. I like the Bovril slammer. Taste in your eyes, taste in your eyes, taste in your eyes, taste in your eyes, taste in your eyes. That's one meaty spirit. Oh, yes. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Shall we? Yeah. Let's dig open the Andrew Ward Chronicles. And you'll be pleased to know that we're entering page 144. Okay. Making decent progress. We're well over halfway. Like, there's only 252 pages. So, in the next two years, <laughs> we might finish this book. I like right. the, the last the last few pages is just correcting errors he's made from the the, the previous section. Apolog- the last few apologies to people. Apologies to Northerners. This is the final story of 1971. For anyone who's been following us for the last few months and thinks, I'm sure it's always in 1971, that's because this is the fifth consecutive story from this year. He must have had a 1971 football annual or something. He's just come up with 1971 strangest stories and then (laughs) didn't realise he didn't have enough to write the whole book on it, so he sort of has to pad it out a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, the fact this is pretty much right in the middle as well. I think you're right there. 
So yeah, 1971, we're coming to the close. And just a reminder, so far, we've had a South American free-for-all, which was just loads of fighting and, and people got arrested and all that sort of stuff. That started off the year. We then had the disputed goal, which was basically the first TV game and it led to Leeds throwing the title away. We had a high-scoring cup final, which was... The Watney Cup. How can you forget that? <laughs> yeah, the Watney Cup. Yeah, not the Wontok Cup. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you had the Endless Cup tie, which which was a real good one, that. That was the never-ending replays of of Oxford and Ulf Church. And last but not least, here we are. I've renamed this one, and I can't remember why, because I read this one a while ago, but I've renamed it The Sinking Raven. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> We're kicking off our year with a story from Lisbon, Portugal. Oh, now we're talking. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's very rare ward adventures abroad. So it's quite nice that we are getting to, um, to to take a hike, metaphorically, over to... Sunnier climbs. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, it is November 1971, but it's Lisbon. Like, is it that cold in Lisbon in, in November? I wouldn't have thought so. A bit nicer than here. Well, yeah, definitely. Anyway, it's nicer than here. <sighs> Not Qatar, though. <laughs> right, let's get going. One of the most embarrassing refereeing errors of recent years came when Dutchman Van Ravens got the rules wrong in the second leg of a second round European Cup Winners' Cup tie between Sporting Lisbon and Glasgow Rangers. Okay. It's a good name, isn't it? Van Ravens. Well, I thought it was going to be, it was going to be one of the nicknames of the teams, like the Ravens or something. No, no, it's, it's the ref. It's the supplier, the ref, sorry. Mr. Van Raven. Um, good name, yeah. Well, it's not the best refereeing name we'll come across in this story, but no spoilers. No spoilers on that one. Here we go. All referees make mistakes occasionally. In case you didn't know. <laughs> Did you know that, Bax? Have you heard that one before? It's it's come up lately, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Such errors usually result from the official's inability to see everything from every angle and make the correct split-second decision. Yeah, that's... Uh... Nice bit of defensiveness there. Yeah, that's that's fair, isn't it? Yeah. This gives rise to a spate of jokes and stories about blindness. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Wardy's going to give his, his, his best bants now. <laughs> Hashtag Wardy bants. Here we go. I agreed to escort the referee to the railway station after the match, said the policeman. Because I always like to take care of the handicapped. Oh, good God. Is that a joke? Uh, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> and the other um, jokes that arise are about bias. Yeah. Okay. yeah another, another classic one. It's like we were playing against 12 men. A classic. <laughs> That is a classic, to be fair. I I do enjoy when people say that. I wouldn't actually say that myself because I always think blaming the ref is a cop-out regardless. 
you know, you know me, I'm very much against VAR football and against this idea of replacing the referee. Um, I, I went to a game, Boxing Day, and it was one of the worst refereeing displays I've ever seen. But oh, when it's a nil-nil and not much is happening, especially in non-league, sometimes you just crave moments of madness from the ref or, you know, something just weird to happen. It's hard because, I mean, I'm not breaking new ground here, but he's the only person or the only team of people with the assistant referees and whatnot who are trying to be neutral in that yeah. whole stadium, isn't it? Everyone else is pulling for one side or the other. And like yeah. what already said, you can't give anything you don't see. If if where you're standing, it looks like it's a good tackle or the opposite, it looks like a foul, then you've got to give it that way, haven't you? Um, yeah. And it annoys me. And I agree with what you're saying about sort of people moaning. And, you know, when you see people complain about Premier League refs or European refs and VAR and all that, and then you think, come and watch a game in the busy Southern Premier <laughs> and then complain about the refs, you know? Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, also, yeah, it's just been announced, was it today or yesterday at time of recording, about Middlesbrough, because they don't have the technology for VAR. I mean, the semi-finals of the League Cup aren't going to be played with VAR. Oh, I didn't see that, no. That's yeah, basically, because they didn't want to give an unfair or a fair advantage to one semi over the other. So mm. they've they've just said both semi-finals are not having VAR. You know what's going to happen now, don't you? It's going to be like a glaring mistake in one of yeah. them. Someone will miss a handball or something obvious like that. And yeah. People will yeah. moan, say, because we've all seen the replays straight away. Oh, I can't be asked with it. Yeah, well, the linesman in this game I went to on Boxing Day, it was like a random Shropshire village. I can't remember what it was called now. Bridge yeah. North in Shropshire. Yeah, that was it. And um, literally, there was a fan stood giving the lino a stick all game. And the lino just kept engaging with this guy. And I was like, well, why Why are you feeling? And like, it was to the point where he was literally like, look, mate, I'm just, just trying to do my job here. If you want to go back in the clubhouse and watch the Newcastle, I can't remember who was playing, Newcastle and someone, and then watch it with VAR on the screen and enjoy your football that way, then go for it. And when he said that, all the fans were like going like, way. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he he literally like had the final straw of it, um, and then another fan was like, "Oh, why don't you just uh, what did he say? He's like, why don't you just take your hundred quid and get on with the game?" And then he turned around. He was like, "You really think I get paid hundred quid for doing this?" <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like every comment that was made, he was like feeling the need to either stick up for or defend against what people were saying. It is fun when they're. Um... When they're at the, clearly at the end of their tether and just trying to get on with it, but you know, someone's just obviously got under his skin that much. I like it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. But those familiar with the refereeing history are probably aware that many contemporary referees are often compared with the much respected official in the 1878 FA Cup final. Do you know who that would be? <laughs> No, funny enough. You don't know who the referee was for the 1878 FA Cup final. Well, I'm telling you now, it is Mr. Bastard. No way. Yeah. Mr. Sagar Bastard. (laughs) Oh, fine. (laughs) 
And obviously, because it's Wardy, that's the the first and only mention of Mr. Bastard we're going to get. But I had to just Google it to make sure that this was a thing. Yeah, it's a typo. No, no, there was a Mr. Sagar Bastard who... (laughs) It's a great name. It's... It's a great. You thought Van Raven was good. Yeah, <laughs> this blows it out of the park. But yeah, so apparently he was a really well respected ref. But also, and this is something that if you imagine this happening now, imagine how ridiculous this would be. He was also at the same time as being a referee. He was also a player. Not at the same time as in the same match, <laughs> but he, he did yeah. both jobs separately. Yeah, that that's really good, though, because you like to think he'd be up with, you know, he, he, reading the game and, and sort of understanding when it's just like a forceful tackle rather than a simple yeah. foul or something like that. You know, people always call for ex-players to be involved, so current players. Well, he also, he because he was apparently was pretty good. He, he did get a cap for England as well. Sadly, it was before names on the back of shirts, wasn't it? And a bastard on the wing. <laughs> that would be worth a fortune, like the England shirt with bastard 10 on the back. Of it. it would be amazing. So, but one. yeah, he, I, I don't know who he actually played for. It was one of the London teams. But the thing I was thinking, though, is surely even back then, it must have raised eyebrows if, like, he, let's say he was playing for a team that was top of the league. And then he was refereeing at a match against like second versus third or like yeah. something like where he could impact, potentially impact the results. But I guess if he was that good, then maybe didn't have any doubts about him cheating. Or the other way around, the, he was in like a regional league or something, or he was in the yeah. championship rather than the top division or something like that, you know. But I agree because if he was in a, his team in a relegation fight and relegation rivals all of a sudden were getting like penalties given against them and stuff. Yeah. But but also what, it's that, what it's that Yeah. <laughs> it's that thing though of like refs not supposed to be supporting any team. Like if you know actively this guy plays for any team, then I feel like you would be a bit suspicious. Like, you know, if it, let's say he played for Everton mm. and then he was refing a Liverpool game, mm. you know, Again, I'm not sure at what level he was refing and playing and stuff. But yeah, it does it does make you faint. Could you imagine that now if you just had like I don't know, who who here's a question and we'll open this up to the followership. Who would which current player in the Prem would make the best referee? Would be the best referee. I was trying to think of who'd most likely to be a referee. Well Um, yeah. You think someone like James Milner would be up for it? Yeah, and he he's kind of played for most teams at this point, so probably not that biased. No, you can't possibly be biased against all the rival teams he's had over the years, can he? Be yeah, he never gets to do any games. Oh, this would, it'd be great if you got James Milner refereeing Liverpool versus City. Yeah, of course, that'd be good. That'd be entertaining. Maybe in that instance, you could sort of allow it. Maybe oh. Gareth Gareth Barry. I know he's not a current. Player, but I think you're doing the same as me, though. You're just thinking of players who played a lot of games, so you're assuming they've got good legs in the tank that they could last 90 minutes of being a ref. They're also quite 
sensible people if that's you know you wouldn't yeah. have like i don't know harland or something and for, no, for, <laughs> for, for, for no reason he might be a great referee but i don't know you just wouldn't pick him would you no i don't know why, no. I don't know why. there's no reason to that who would you pick i mean i imagine people listening to home are all shouting roy Keane. <laughs> that'd just be silly it'd either be a hundred files a game or no files wouldn't it it'd just be booking everyone for diving <laughs> He'd, he'd be throwing in his own tackles. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, anyone sure. gets too anyone gets too near him, he just gets like um, this like sense where he can't stop just tackling people. <laughs> oh, who else? Uh, any Everton players you'd you'd like to see put on the the black and white strip of a ref? It's whether you, you know it's Seamus Coleman, maybe because you wouldn't understand him. <laughs> well, that's not an Irish thing. He's just got a particularly broad accent. And you can't understand what he's saying. So, um, Calvin Lewin probably get injured, wouldn't he? Um, yeah, he'd, he'd wear a fashionable ref kit though. Oh, he'd look great. He'd, he'd absolutely look the business, wouldn't he? But you know, whether he'd be any good at it. Maybe Pickford <laughs> yeah. if he did it like a Newcastle match. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Oh, yeah. Maybe we have to think back to that. Think back to that next time. Gives us a, a week to think. Well, the the easiest thing to say is if anyone out there has got an idea for who'd be a, a good ref or equally who'd like to see referee a, a Premier League or any kind of game, really. Oh, who's mm-hmm. that manager who's in the in the league on the large? Steve Evans on the large side. I was going to say, well, I wasn't about to slander him. I'm not going all Joe uh, Barton on that. Uh, you, you can slander him. He's a corruption master. That guy. Wow. There we go. Um, yeah, him maybe. Yeah, I don't know. He wouldn't be that mobile. Perhaps he wouldn't cover every blade of grass, would he? No, no. You wouldn't see him running up for the corners. He'd just sort of watch it from halfway. Rooney, he's not doing anything these days. <laughs> he, he probably would make a good ref. To be fair. Anyway, yeah. what I was going to say is, if anyone wants to get in touch and <laughs> tell us their opinions on referees or who they want a referee or who would be funny to see refereeing or just just someone get in touch. Come on. We ask you all the time now. Someone get in touch. You can email us at pinesoffootball2015 at gmail.com. You can also get us on Twitter as well at POF underscore reviews. So we're always happy to see your thoughts and just that you're out there. We're happy to see your thoughts. See your thoughts? I know. What a weird way of putting it. (laughs) Are we psychic? (laughs) Carry on. I've clearly lost the plot. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> what was going on? So, yeah, I'd, I'm still cut out of a Mr. Bastard, but we, we've got to do it. Most major refereeing howlers occurred in the early days of soccer. I'd argue that's probably not the case, but fair enough. There was the... Oh, here we go. We're getting some examples. I'm about to be proven wrong here. There was the referee who ordered off a dumb man for abusive language. A dumb man? <laughs> Sorry if that's not the right way of putting it these days. <laughs> yeah. Apparently the decision was reversed as well, which is even more funny. I've never seen a red card reversed. You send him back on. <laughs> I'm sending you on. Just goes in, he's sat in the bath. Yeah. <laughs> Walks no, in all, the dressing room. Come no, on. All wet. <laughs> <laughs> Just sodden in his kit. Like, what? <laughs> what the hell's going on? <laughs> Um, so that was the first one. The second one, there was a referee who scored a header. He apologised but had to let the goal stand. 
I mean, we we actually had one a few years back in this book where the ref scored the winning goal. I think it was this Barrow against Barrow or for Barrow. I can't remember. Yeah, not, and, not, the, not the honey monster as we. Well, that was it. Yeah, it was proven by by footage not to be that one. And then my favourite example of bad refereeing, even though it relates nothing to do with football, the referee who stood in a dressing room wash bowl and broke it. I mean, he did say bad decisions, and I suppose that is a bad decision. (laughs) I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if he was... um, taken off duty for the foreseeable future due to his own stupidity on that one. <laughs> but anyway, in the post-war era, a referee at Sunderland in 1954 started the second half before realising that only one linesman was there. <laughs> Ooh, that's a bad one. That's a bad one. In front of 43,000 people, his face was as red as the missing flag. <laughs> nice. Right, back to back to this. Oh no, we've got more. We've got this. Isn't even about Lisbon. We've we've had like all we've had is the ref's name so far. <laughs> um, at Wimbledon in 1983, a referee wrongly awarded Millwall a goal after Wimbledon fullback Wally Downs chipped a direct free kick over goalkeeper Dave Bessant's head into his own net. Oh, his I've, own net. I only recently found this out. I don't know if you knew this. If you score an own goal from a free kick, it's a corner. Doesn't count. Wow. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's a mad rule, isn't it? I might have a shot on Sunday at my own goal from a free, if we get a it's, free kick. It's perfect, isn't it? <laughs> I would love to just see someone just belt in <laughs> a rocket of a shot against... But knowing there's no consequence, well, I suppose the consequences you might concede the corner, but really, really like weird, isn't it? Why it is, is that? Real... Why is that written into into the laws of the game? That's so bizarre. Maybe it kept happening. Yeah, and they were like, "This is stupid." Now, so I knew you couldn't score directly from a throw-in. Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't see why that's ever been an issue. That same with the free kick thing, like. Yeah, indirect free kicks are a bit pointless as well, aren't they? I'm with you. Yeah, it's all that. Yeah, that's all a bit sort of nonsense. But I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's yeah, whatever. But yeah, that that was um, a mistake that apparently happened in in Wimbledon in 1983. The early rule makers sensibly decided that a team scoring in its own net from a direct free kick shouldn't be punished more heavily than it had done so from an indirect free kick as the offence being punished was obviously more serious in the first instance. So he's Wardy's basically saying that if you've got a free kick, it should be to your advantage. Mm. Scoring an own goal is obviously not an advantage. No. But I would argue, like, still, why, why are you kicking it with force back at your own goal when you've got a free kick? Well... You live with the consequences of your actions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's just stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I suppose, you know, this they have to come up they have to try and think of every situation when you're coming up with rules. Otherwise the first few games something could happen and they'd go, Oh yeah. <laughs> Never happened before that. 
Yeah, but instead what happened is they thought of it and then the ref didn't know it was a thing and still gave the goal. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, anyway, I'm sure we can all agree, as Wardy puts it here, refereeing can give rise to all manner of wild questions about soccer oddities and offbeat features of the game, which is pretty much what you just said, Bex. For example, a penalty kick is taken. The ball bursts as it is kicked. The ball flies over the crossbar. The lace spins out and wraps itself around the goalkeeper's neck, hindering him from saving the bladder as it sails into the net. What is the correct decision on that one? Has he been drinking? (laughs) He's been on shrooms again, I think. Yeah, like that's how he imagined the game. Yeah, so so the so yeah, the ball's in three parts. You've got the casing, the middle, and the lace. So he's saying, imagine if this happened in real life. We- Kicks the ball, the casing flies away, the lace for some reason strangles the goalkeeper, <laughs> and then the bladder flies in. Yeah, I suppose that the question is which part is the ball, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, do all well, uh, yeah, do all three parts of the ball have to go in? So is that three goals if that happens? <laughs> I, I, th- uh, I don't know is the simple answer to that question. Why has so the goalkeeper it, been strangled? Why couldn't he have just been distracted? <laughs> Why has he been strangled? Yeah. <laughs> or even if the ball just went in, it's still the same question. <laughs> the case is so, <laughs> just unnecessarily violent response. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe Wardy was having nightmares about being strangled by monsters or something and decided to focus on his books as an outlet. Does anyway, the answer? I don't know. Of course not, Wardy. Well, he, he says, that incident, as far as I'm aware, has never happened, <laughs> even in the days when balls had laces. But the events in Lisbon in 1971 showed that one referee had not been tested on the rules of the competition. So... <laughs> We've had quite a lot already from this story, and we haven't even had any of the story yet. No. I'm gripped now to find out what this refereeing decision was. Rangers had won the first leg at Ibrox 3-2 after being 2-0 ahead at one stage. Now they had a difficult game in Lisbon. Okay, 3-2 up, away. Obviously, uh, Sport and Lisbon have their two away goals, if, if that was a thing back then. Sporting Lisbon twice took the lead. Each time, Colin Stein equalised. Then Rangers' Scottish international centre-half, Ron McKinnon, fractured his leg and Sporting took the lead again with 25 minutes to play. I think that makes it 3-2 again. Somehow, Rangers hung on to take the tie into extra time. Mm -hmm. During During this period, both teams scored once. Furepon? Oh, thereupon. I thought that was a player name. <laughs> Portuguese guy. Yeah. Uh, thereupon, referee Van Ravens ordered each team to have the penalty shootout to decide the tie. Yeah. So what was it? Six all after 120 minutes. Yeah. Okay. No problem so far. Rangers qualified for some sort of record by missing all five kicks in that match. <laughs> wow. In oh. fact, in fact, Tommy McLean missed twice 
as the sporting goalkeeper moved too quickly for the first <laughs> so he, he missed had a retake <laughs> missed again missed that as well so Sporting won 3-0 on penalties and they were through to the next round. Dot, dot, dot. Or were they? Mm. The Scottish journalists were already scratching their heads in bewilderment. Surely, they thought, away goals count double in the event of a tie. At the end of extra time, Rangers had scored three away goals against Sporting's two in Glasgow. So it's six all. I suppose there was a four three and a three two, wasn't there? If you count extra time. Yeah, but you don't, because it was a draw. That's why it went to extra time. But then there was two goals scored in extra time. Do those goals count towards the away goal count? I mean, I'd have thought not, but I, I imagine we're going to find out. We are. Mm-hmm. The referee was wrong. <laughs> Puts Wardy very simply. Rangers should have been the winners. The UEFA officials later reversed the referee's decision and suspended the referee. The rules were very clear. The provision that away goals counted double in the event of a draw also does apply to those scored in extra time. Oh, there you go. That gave rise to an even better sporting question. Which team missed six penalties during a shootout and still won the match? Ah. Yeah. That season, Rangers won the European Cup Winners' Cup. Well, there you go. That was actually a sort of a, a, a sort of fulfilling and rounded story. That's the magic. Uh, do you think it was peak football? I think it was good. <laughs> yeah, it was good. A genuine mistake. A 3 0 in the penalty shootout. Someone broke his leg. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as you say, we got to chat about referees and people go bastard for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. It it was good. Yeah, it was definitely, I'd say it was the best story of 1971. <laughs> it, yeah, it may prove to be the best of the 70s overall, but that's yet to be discovered, isn't it? Well, Christ, if we've had, we've already had five all just from... Yeah, we've had five from 71. The rest of the book might just be the 70s. When was this published? What was... Yeah, I was interested, actually. What year was the last story? I'm actually dying to know. I don't think this classes as spoilers, because we've been reading it this long. Oh, what the hell? The last story doesn't even have a a year. Well... It just says every Tuesday. (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, the last story with a date is 2015. Okay, so still, um, still, still pretty modern in that case. Yeah, yeah, which is quite nice. <laughs> I love it. And this, this is just, for anyone who's thinking. I've been listening to this Wardy podcast for like two and a bit years now. I'm starting to get a bit bored of it. Mm. Just stay tuned, guys, because the last story of the book. Is called a pair of broken arms. <laughs> and <laughs> look forward to it. Yeah, and if that's not worth sticking around for, I mean, we already had back in 1966. We had the story that was called a pair of broken legs. I wonder if it's the same player. Yeah, it was. It was players with the same name as well, wasn't it? Yeah, all broken the legs. 
maybe it's the same story, but just with arms instead. Yeah. We can only hope. Well, yeah, for now, that is the end of Wardy. The actual um, title of the story, which I don't think is as good as The Sinking Raven, the referee who forgot the rules. Yeah. Oh, well, I I prefer yours. Yeah, and we're we're in for a hell of a story in the next story. The next one is, is, is definitely... 100% 100% one to look forward to. It's the first first-hand story from Wardy himself. Oh, about something yeah. he's, he's done and seen and whatever. Yeah, it's about, it's literally, he uses the word I. So stay tuned, folks. R.I.P. R.I.P., yeah. I find it hard to believe that anyone does yoga every day. It's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I certainly don't. No, no, never, never seen the point. I've only got one thing left to say: back and sup up and sure up. in your hand it's a mallet <laughs> christ yeah. it's a very thre- very threatening way to end the pod I, I don't know why it's in this room but yeah Either, yeah for, obviously people will be able to see what just happened there but baxter said that's enough and then held a mallet towards me on this on the camera so i, I think that's that's now going to be his subtle way of telling us to move the story along if we get bogged down maybe we'll use it on tom when he returns sports social podcast network with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time (gasps) no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.